the Academy Award-winning director, Steven Soderbergh. Brett Favre claims not to know what a podcast is. You know, I have a podcast, Brett. Did you know that? Um, no, you don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> Reggie Wayne, Brett Edward. I had a, a, a pet snake mm-hmm. by the name of Law. I'm not a snake fan. I don't like snakes. Buy the snake in the house. I get a, a, a text on my two-way. Law dead. <laughs> Chris Cooley threatened to prank call me. Tyson, how are you? This is David Dunn. Did I see No, you didn't because I'm recording this thing right oh, now, no, dude. No, no. This You're is the, the podcast. Uh, you the Andy best. Reed did not call Tim Tebow last night. <laughs> too much. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to another edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast here in the month of August on the cusp of the bulk of preseason week number one activity hurtling inexorably towards the opening of the 2013 National Football League regular season. I am your humble host, Rich Eisen. Pleased to be with you as we embark on our second 10 million downloads as we celebrated our first batch of 10 million downloads earlier this week when larry david appeared on this podcast and thanks to you chris brockman he also appeared on nfl total access and nfl as you cut up just a little portion just a little taste of the conversation that we taped in our studio um for our kickoff special that airs on september 3rd chris law do we have a time for that show at this point i believe it's 9 p.m okay it's gonna be a 9 p.m airtime and on that show uh larry david the full um uh, audio podcast that you heard will be cut down to about eight minutes yeah eight eight to nine probably because there's too much good stuff as a you lot of heard. good stuff but all, as in anything rich some stuff does hit the cutting room floor it does cut hit the, it does hit the cutting room floor um, and maybe we'll put a whole bunch of it, uh, stuff that doesn't make the TV show onto the website. We'll see how the edit process goes. We got we some put time. This thing together because that show will again air September third with the Larry David conversation, Kevin Costner, whose conversation is yet to be posted on our iTunes page uh, or our blog page, but that will happen in short order. Yep. Uh, and then the third guest on the show that night. You will hear the full conversation on this show. Matt Damon. Long do you time. like apples, Rich? Yes, I do. How about them apples? The uh, the Academy Award winner from writing that movie, Goodwill Hunting, as well as the Emmy Award nominated now from his work on Behind the Candelabra, The Bituation, a longtime <laughs> friend of this program, directed that one. And, um, and uh, Matt is going to join us uh, as he's set to hit the – Silver screen this weekend in his new movie, Elysium, a sci-fi thriller from the director who made uh, District 9. So we'll talk with Matt all about the Patriots and, um, and whether he thinks the Patriots have what it takes with his guy Wes Welker in an orange uniform. Ugh. Matt's second appearance on the podcast. Yes, yes. He returns. He promoted We Bought a Zoo the yes. last time. Um, but he was in New York City. At the league headquarters there via 280 cam or whatever. Yeah, the, office 345. They were in, 345. The new, the new office. And, yeah. and um, he's in person here in Los Angeles yes. in the flesh. So that's a, a lot of fun. And then Brian Billick will join us in studio, the uh, uh, champion head coach of the first Ravens championship team. Have you met 
Matt Damon in person before? Yeah. This? Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Oh, look at you, old, old buddies. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not portraying myself as such. You asked me if I've met him before. I said, yes, I have met him before. <laughs> Was this like at one of your hold the Stanley Cup events with? No, no. no I met him uh, back in my sports center days. Oh, okay. Long time ago. Wow. Long time ago. Saw you tweeted out the link to this to the Stu Scott horse commercial. Oh yeah, well I mean with the Sports Center commercials. Uh, what was show number that they one? Had, what ended up some, being voted some, number one? Uh, some it's not awful. I mean the commercial's good, but it's just ridiculous. It was the 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 one with Robinson Cano, where he was doing the 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 handshake that the Yankees did. You know the. the with slapping hands and whatever, and somebody sneezed, and he was spreading disease throughout the entire studio. Sounds awful. And it was, it's not awful, it's funny, but in terms of, you know, the sports in a commercial, the Charlie Steiner one. Uh... But there was, I don't know if this was political with the mothership or whatever, but that, that list was absurdly light on Kilborn. Really? Kilborn All of his was the amazing. king of the Sports Center commercials back in the day. Yeah. We got to get Kilby on here. To me, my first, my number well, one, my number one Sports Center commercial was Don't Walk. If you remember, it was the mock We Are the World right. video. Oh. It was a minute long. Right. With, you know, various. That was your first one? Yeah, with Coolidge from uh, from the White Shadow singing yeah. with the rest of the Sports Center crew singing Don't Walk. Yep. You know? And um, it was my first day at work. They were shooting that commercial. I was walking through the studio like my head, the newsroom, my head was on a swivel. 26-year-old from Redding, California, finally hired by ESPN. And they were shooting that commercial that day. And I'm like, what in the world is happening here? Um, But at any rate, that's why I tweeted that Stuart Scott thing out. Um, And uh, we're excited for this playing season, man. So we're going to talk about all of that with Brian Billick. uh, later on in the show, did you guys watch Hard Knocks last night? I could not. Oh, it's good. I thought it was good. Yeah, it was good. It's good. There's a uh, there's you know a, a virus going through the Eisen household right Ooh. now. Yeah, yeah. We're looking for the host monkey in the backyard so we could shoot it and create a serum and get rid of the <laughs> outbreak in my house. If you mi- if you missed Hard Knocks, I wrote a little recap. ChrisBrockman.com. Out of boy. Uh, who, and, and also, let's let's promote some other of the podcasts yeah. that are going on around here. The Around the League crew, which has been great. Uh, Absolutely. Not only for this podcast, but the entire NFL media empire that's ever expanding. Um, their writing is just spot on. It's funny. It's edgy. It's uh, timely. It's timely. As soon as something happens, boom. And, and they have been great to this show by taking some of the things that are said on it and writing news stories about it and putting it out there on NFL.com. They have uh, the folks that are around the league now have their own podcast for three times a week now, Yeah, correct? they're doing one uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If you go to NFL.com slash podcast where you can find our podcast, Damashek's podcast, uh, Coach Billick, who we have on later, his Coach's Show's podcast is on there. Um, it's joining that mix. It's it's Greg Rosenthal, who's the head writer for Around the League, our pal Dan Hansus, Mark Sessler, and Chris Wessling. So those guys chat. They'll get a few guests every now and again. And it's really just soup to nuts news and stuff, uh, quick hitting, good stuff, topical, and they get it up. And Wessling is the guy who looks like Rodney Dangerfield, right? <laughs> That's his Twitter <laughs> avatar, yes, Rodney what Dangerfield. That's, that is Rodney Dangerfield? Because <laughs> I, I thought Wessling was Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, I, I don't, Am I wrong? He, he has that I as must his be a little Twitter, off. Twitter avatar. I must be a little off. No respect, Rich. No that respect guy can play, uh, can, uh, can play cornhole. You know the game where you throw into the beanbags? Thank you for letting me know what cornhole is. Well, it sounds weird to just say because those, that that, game, those people I mean, that don't know what it's called. If there is any, the name's off. If there's any game that needs a new name, <laughs> it is cornhole. 
bags. People call it bags. I think somewhere in the country. Well, certainly yeah. since Beavis and Butthead should have <laughs> should have buried with cornholio. Yeah. I think it's like a so, it's like forever. soda pop and coke. I think d- depending on where you are in the country, it's called something different. Well, like, I think well, it should be called something different, even in the parts of the country where it is called. <laughs> sure enough. That's what I'm saying. I feel you. Um, so, okay, let's get to it. This is exciting. Um, and, and please do download. I mean, we've been on a nice run here, if we may say so ourselves. Uh, Jeff Garland last week, Larry David this week, and now this week, Matt Damon. A big bowl of a good run. Big bowl of a good run, as Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Garland, Garland would say. So let's get to the guest in question. Could not be more pleased to have back on the Rich Eisen podcast and in this edition of the Rich Eisen kickoff special than a man who's a big Patriot fan and his movie Elysium is in a theater near you right now. Good to see you, Matt Damon. Good to see you, Rich. How are you, man? Great. Are you you in mourning over the loss of Wes Welker? Are you one of those Patriot fans that uh, are wondering where where that all went? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's just sad, you know... They've got such a great track record. Their decision-making has been so great over the last, you know, decade and a half that it, you know, it's, you know, it's like when we, when we had Theo with the Red Sox, you kind of go, okay, you know, I'm bummed, but, you know, you get a pass just because you're Bill Belichick and, you know, they've, they've, that algorithm, whatever they're using has been working really well. So, uh, but it is a bummer. I mean, he's irreplaceable, you know, in, 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 many ways so you have the imbill we trust philosophy right i mean yeah until he until he i mean i think he's he's earned that one yeah yeah Yeah. i I, mean but i mean look it's you know in boston everyone's like you know we're opinionated so i'm sure i'm sure you know on weei you'll still hear it you know people you know what is he thinking you know but Nobody really questions those guys. Do you ever do that? Call into a sports radio show back in the day? You ever done that? (laughs) (laughs) You you can sure. I mean, here you can you can you're you're a long time listener, you know, second time caller in that regard. But I mean, back in the day when you were just growing up, did you ever uh, pick up the phone? No, we used to listen to it. That was when my dad and I would drive in the car. We always were listening to Eddie Andelman. You know, two six six one one hundred. You know, right. but uh, but now I just actually I just moved to L.A. and just bought a car. And now I, I didn't know this because I've been in Manhattan for the last five years but, right. or four years. You can get the radio station yes. up. So now I have programmed in W.E.I. So, so I can listen to my sports. So you're listening. Sports. So you can listen to Brady's weekly sit down conversation after the game. Exactly. And things like that. Just like you're sitting. Just in. like I'm just like I'm driving around with my dad. I love yeah, it. That's a good deal. So oh, I. Where are you, I guess, on this season because of what's gone on in the past few months with the Patriots? Do you believe this is a Super Bowl team in New England right now, Matt? Look, any t- I mean, we've got the best quarterback. You know, I, I think in, in New England, we look, it's been 10, 12 years of, of Tom Brady, and it's, we're just trying to appreciate what we have because someday he's not going to be the quarterback and I think he can play I mean he thinks he can play till he's 43 yes and the way he his game is uh, you know and the way he takes care of himself that I'm that's probably true but uh but each season becomes more and more precious I think you know uh as he gets into the second half of his or is kind of solidly in the second half of his career um but I think any season you have with that guy you, is a Super Bowl, is a potential Super Bowl season. Look, last season, I mean, we were so close. If, if our cornerback didn't get hurt, I mean, Baltimore couldn't get a first down, you know, until our cornerback got hurt. And then the game was basically decided. And, and uh, 
So we've been really close and gotten a little unlucky. There were a couple Super Bowls where, you know, two of the greatest catches ever made. I mean, David Tyree's catch still. <laughs> I just don't know how he caught the ball against his head with Rodney Harrison on his back. <laughs> Um, you know, and I swear Eli threw at least three interceptions on that final drive, mm-hmm. you know, and Asante, you know, it's just like there's, there's stuff that's got to go your way, a lot of stuff that's got to go your way. And then there's, you know, there are players who can make exceptional plays like David Tyree or Manningham, you know, you know, or where Manning put that ball for him to even be able to catch it. Like, you know, so we're very close to winning five in Brady's reign so far. So I'm one of the guys who thinks that, you know, with the right ingredients, you know, we're pretty close to maybe winning a few more. So you, are you saying that if the Patriots were healthy, they would have won the Super Bowl last year? Is that what you're is that what you're No, I'm saying that the game right is decided by so sure. by such a narrow margin that that and look, it's decided like you, you, see, you can't go say what if this had happened or that had happened. It didn't happen. What happened was the Ravens beat the Patriots and the Ravens won and won the Super Bowl, and they totally deserved it, and they're the champs. But, you know, as a fan, you go, oh, you know, you, mm. you can't help but thinking what if, um, you know, just because you can see how close that margin is at that level. Sure, even at the end of that super, the last Super Bowl loss, um, where Welker is wide open. And, how, and, and he, you know, and he even said, I think, that, you know, 999 out of 1,000 times, it's like a back shoulder pass. It's yeah. not, he, you know... He, but he didn't catch it. You know what I mean? Like, those are the things that have to happen to win. And, I know, you know, and Brady and Welker normally have such a sixth sense. They each knows where the one wants to go and where the ball should be. And that one time, it just seemed to be a mix-up. And if that was a reception, happen, yeah. I, didn't mean, I don't mean to no, it's salt fr- here, it's fr- it's, it's, I'm helping you make your point in a way fr- yeah, while it's, it's, also rubbing salt. I but it's also to. the reason you play the game, you know? It's the reason you watch the game. It's you just don't know what's going to happen, and, and you don't know who's going to... Uh, you know, and I love with, with HD now, like, you can, you can see the eyes of these guys, and you can see who wants the ball. You can see, you know, who's... It's just, it's just a really great experience. Like, live sports on television now is just, it's just, you know, it's the reason to have a television. Sure. Where did, what were your thoughts when you heard about Aaron Hernandez? Matt? What was your thought? Um, you know, it's just so much bigger than football. It's so much bigger than being a football fan or anything. It's just... It's just tragic and horrible and and uh you know i don't know what to say about it uh, you know the, someone someone's dead you know i mean it's just beyond uh, beyond beyond me being a fan of the patriots or right. anything. it's just you know it's horrible and, and then uh clearly the patriots were with robert Kraft, and he did say something about it after it happened and it just seems a lot of it, it's so incongruous that it would happen to New England because of the Patriot way. Right. And in that regard, with your, have, have you met Bob Kraft? Have you? Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts on, uh, on RKK as they call him? I Bob love Kraft, him. I mean, I, 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 he's great. I mean, he's, as a fan, you could not ask for anything more from an owner. I mean, he's totally, you know, uh, you know, he and Belichick together have, have done this kind of incredible, um, they've built this incredible organization and, um, you know, it, it gives you. It, I have a lot of faith that it'll just that 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 it's gonna that they're gonna keep winning. You know, at mm-hmm. a, at a high level and playing at a high level for a while. Gronk, have you met him? You ever met I have him? not. You have not met Gronk. I have not met him. But in a I'm way, looking forward to meeting him. <laughs> yeah. You never know where you might actually cross paths with him. <laughs> no, he's, that's a, right. he's a unique individual. We'll put it that right. way. He's a monster. He's huge. Yeah. 
and um, just a free spirit right. that's sometimes a little free and a little spirited. Um, <laughs> what do you think this team can – Does do you think this team needs him in order to win a Super Bowl? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, he's, he's, he's an absolute beast on the field. I mean, yeah, right. you, 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 we definitely need him. Uh, <clears throat> you know, you know had, he been, had he been healthy – in the last one, you know, it's another one of those what-ifs. Like, they wouldn't things. have guarded him with a third-string linebacker in the second half. Once they realized he couldn't move, they were just – it was a totally different game. Or Brady's interception that he threw. If you throw a jump ball for Gronkowski and he's healthy, there's nobody who's going to come down with it. They might break the play up, but they're not going to come down with the ball, right, mm-hmm. if, if he's going up for it too. Um, he's just too big and too good and too strong. And, you know, so that was the difference. Do you think Tebow should play – like the woodhead role or something like that? I don't know. I mean, everybody says he's an amazing athlete, and, and he certainly seems to work really hard. And, and uh, you know, you know I, I sent an email to Brady recently, um, you know, when their camp started and just said, like, I'm 5'10", and I'm 42 years old, and I think I've run probably a 6'0", 40. Yes. But I am available, you know. Yeah. If, uh, and what did he say? Uh, he, you know, laughed. He just sent back, you know, he said, uh, I'll settle for mental toughness. <laughs> you know, so, right. so I think that the Tebow, you know, that's, that's uh, certainly something that he's known for. Yeah, that's true. So we'll see. You know, I, I, you know, who knows? It was really a shock to so many people that the Patriots went and got him because there's no way he sees the field. There's no, unless there is a major problem with Brady and even the backup and Ryan Mallett. So that's why a lot of people are wondering, well, what's he doing there? And maybe he should be a tight end, which clearly is a need. Maybe he will be. I, I don't know what you know. Belichick's plan is. I mean, he's always kind of gotten these people with really high football IQs right. who, who just make plays, right. you know. And, and I, you know, who knows what he's thinking. Again, it's one of those things where you yeah, just sure. you give him a pass. Are you one of those Patriot fans that takes glee in the Jets' misfortunes? Are you one of those? No. <laughs> you never? Never. Never. Of course, because, I mean, you're sitting there in New York, as you said, the last five years. Right, right. And so you've basically lived in New York with the Rex Ryan ascension and then the plateauing and then the butt fumbling and then, <laughs> you know. Butt fumbling. Yes, the butt fumbling. Yeah. The Thanksgiving butt fumbling. The Thanksgiving butt if fumbling. If you really want to put a, a tag on it. I mean, you've seen, you've seen. I made the Liberace movie this year, so that's fine. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, yes, that's a diff- I don't know if we have video. Can we have video of that right now? I don't know if we can show that. There's some butt fumbling in that movie, a, too. Just a wee little bit. <laughs> Congratulations on the Emmy for that, thank by you, the way. Thank you very much. Yes. I, don't uh, think, I don't think Sanchez got an Emmy for his butt fumbling. <laughs> um, but you've seen it all. I mean, were you, were you taking particular delight in seeing some of that? Well, look, they've, they've spoiled our holidays before, too. So, um, so, yeah, you know, those things go back and forth. I, forth. I like it when, they're, when, they're compet- when the games are really competitive and we win. <laughs> yeah, that, that oh, to oh, me you is, like that. Okay. Yeah, um, it's like that, you know, the Yankee-Red Sox rivalry, Boston and New York. That's, it's always just going to be that way. And, uh, and you, know, you, know, and, you know, in the AFC, like those were, you know, those guys have ruined our season plenty of times. So, uh, so but it's not that I take any satisfaction in, in having somebody embarrass them. And that was particularly embarrassing. That it was. That it certainly was. Yeah, yeah I mean, that was, and a lot of people think it's going to be tough for him to come back from that in New York City this year. So, you know, we'll have to see. The fans are pretty forgiving there, too. Yes, they, yeah, they, they forgive <laughs> and they forget. They definitely forgive and forget. So, I guess, what, what do you, you, you double-digit wins? Is that what you think? 
for the Pats this year? You think uh, uh, AFC East, at least the crown there? I really hope so. Um, you know, but look, so much remains to be seen. They got to stay healthy. They got to get Gronkowski back. To, right. You know, get their defense. Mm-hmm. You know, that bend but don't break. It's very hard to watch as a fan, you know, uh, that bend but don't break thing. Sure. Because you think it's going to break. Because you're from Boston and it always breaks when you're oh, from Boston. Oh, you know what I mean? See, now, well, hold on a minute. Yeah. As a New Yorker, I know you always say that, but in terms of, you know, you've got two World Series rings, No, no, right? now it's a very different it's a ethos. Total, yeah, it's a very Bruins, different. Bruins, Celtics. It's, I mean, it's, it's true. And it's, been this, and it's been this amazing run for Boston fans. Um, did it start with your Academy Award? Did it start? <laughs> yeah. did, did, no. you, did you? It started in 2004. It? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I No, just, actually, it started in 2002, and then four was the Red Sox and the Patriots. Right. Yeah. I'm just trying so, to see. I'm just saying maybe you and Ben had something to do with. If that's a the story you want to put out there, yes. I, you know, Ben and I would be totally fine with I would that. Be, I yeah. would be all for that sort of thing. Um, so let's hit your movie right now. I want to talk with you about this new movie that's that's out now, Elys- Elysium. Elysium. Right? Elysium. Yeah. So it's sort of like Quincy, right? <laughs> you don't call it Quincy. Yeah, right, exactly. Right? You it's, call qu- it, it's Quincy. Right, it's Quincy. Yeah. So it's Elysium. 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 Uh, Neil Blokamp is the uh, director, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he He's did- the guy who did District 9. Yeah, which and, is... So now this is not a sequel, per se, right? No, no, I mean, no, no, no. It's a kind of... This is a very big science fiction action uh uh, you know, a lot of stuff blows up type of movie. But it does have a similar theme in it from District 9. It's similar in the sense that, like, District 9 was really is super entertaining, but it's, but it's kind of about these other themes. It's like a metaphor, you know, and so this movie's the same way, but, um, but Neil's big thing is he's like, I don't want to make a message movie, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's got to be a popcorn movie. It's got to kind of satisfy on all those levels of like special effects and and the kind of whole world that he creates and the world is essentially it's in 2154 right it's earth in the future but all of the super elite are living up on elysium which is this uh space station like an orbital habitat that like sits up out in kind of in orbit we all look up at it it's like 120 kilometers away and and we all wish we could get there and um, it's basically like the haves and the have-nots of you know of the future and uh, and my character is a guy who's just working at a factory on planet Earth and kind of resigned to the fact that he'll never get there. And then he gets irradiated at work and he's got like five days to get to Elysium. So now he starts doing all this crazy stuff to try to get himself up there. And that's where all like the, the action and all that stuff really kicks off. And uh, Elysium is where all the Patriot fans live? Is that essentially <laughs> yeah. where, they, is that where they... Thanks to Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. And a yes, hundred and right. years yeah. later, they're still living there. Still, just, right, thanks to Robert Kraft for, and Bill Belichick. Exactly. They, they put a system in place that's just so bulletproof. With there. their 50 Lombardi trophies right. that have been up there right from now. Your, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. What was it like for you to do this film? Did you enjoy the... I mean, the yeah. sci-fi nature. I know you've, yeah. you've done a lot of action films, clearly, with the Bourne series. Yeah, but I'd but. never been able to do a science fiction action, you know, a big one like this. And, and, uh, and I'd, always, uh, I'd always wanted to. Like, my favorite movies as a kid were, you know, you know like Blade Runner and, uh, you know, Star Wars and those kind of big movies. <clears throat> and, uh, and more recently, like The Matrix and Avatar and stuff like that, where you create these whole other worlds and... Uh, it's just they're really hard to find because, you know, very few people can do them well. And, and Neil Blomkamp, this guy, is one of those guys who can do them. So, so, uh, so I did it. What is your favorite movie? Do you have one? Uh, Growing up. Of all time? Yeah, sure. Uh, if I had to go onto a desert island, I'd probably take, probably take The Godfather 2. I Godfather 2? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And yeah, I remember asking a- Scorsese. I was like, well, you know, I was like, they're both, you know, The Godfather 2 feels to me... I said, I'd probably take that one. He goes, yeah, it's better. And I said, 
why? And he goes, because he had more money. <laughs> it's like a much bigger budget. So you got a they bigger... gave Francis more money to spend. So right. He, he, yeah. Plus, you, I guess, obviously tells a fuller story in the fact that you go back and uh, to the old days. And right. De Niro is in the mix, too. It's in just an unbelievable, yeah. It, just every single part of that movie is, yeah. I, I would take, I, as much as I love the Godfathers and the Goodfellas of the world, I would take The Sting. Oh, yeah, that's the, a great movie. The Sting, to me... That's a great Desert Island movie. Still lives up to its billing, and you know clearly, obviously, Redford and Paul Newman. You can't can't beat those can't guys. Can't go wrong there. You know? It's tough if you go through the '70s and just look at the ones that were nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, not even the ones that won, which mm-hmm. the Sting did. But uh, but you just I, I think. But if you just look at the the movies of that, that just that decade, sure. or anything Coppola did. Yeah, in that, in that decade. Like The Conversation? Yeah, which was right before, between The Godfather and The Godfather. Right, too. with Harrison Ford in the mix yeah, in that movie I, as yeah, well. Yeah, well, in Apocalypse Now, Harrison Ford shows up for, like, right. a scene. Yeah. And Shirley, I believe, of Laverne and Shirley was in The, uh, the uh, in, Conversation. In The Conversation, yeah, yes, was, I don't that's know, right. I don't remember right. her name. I think Cindy Williams. I don't know Cindy if her name Williams, sort of escapes yeah. me right there. Yeah. That's an underrated film. The yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a brilliant, brilliant movie. Yeah. I actually just watched it again. Where do you watch your games? Home? Do you go to home? home? Do you yeah. just and what is it like? Do you do you invite friends over or do you? Uh... Yeah, I mean, now that I'm in LA, I think I'll have a whole new kind of routine. I mean, a okay. lot. I have a lot more of my uh, old friends out here, so uh, so so you know, we'll see what routine I fall into. It's like as long as you get to a place where it's got a, you know a nice TV. Well, we, this looks pretty nice. Let me tell you something. <laughs> we we have quite the setup here. I bet. To which you are more than welcome. <laughs> Bring whomever you want. Awesome. You know, awesome. Thanks for coming hey, in, Hey, anytime, Rich. You thanks bet. a lot. That is Matt Damon. Go see Elysium in theaters near you In right Quincy. Now. In Quincy. <laughs> I'm sure it's playing in, Qu- the, in the Quincy multiplex, right? <laughs> I can't do that accent. That's one of the few accents I can't do. Uh, Matt Damon here on the Rich Eisen kickoff special. Matt Damon, everybody. Unbelievable. What a stud, too, right? Great. Couldn't be nicer to everybody. Absolutely. Pictures with everybody. Just a total human being. I like that he rolled in with jeans, white t-shirt, and a hoodie. And a hoodie. Well, sort of, Bel- I should have asked him if that was in Belichick honor. Uh, one thing that I sort of was kicking myself after the interview was, I didn't ask him, I said, I should ask you who your Super Bowl prediction, yeah, was. prediction was. And he said, I would have just said the Patriots anyway. <laughs> well, I, met him, I met him outside, and you know, when some of these guys come in, even the, he's obviously the biggest of the biggest that we get in here. Just himself. That's Nobody great. else. Right. And then, you know, the Sony people came a little later yeah. for the promotion. But most of those people have multiple handlers. They need to be We have seen people to. who have had an entourage. And he's just by himself. And he showed up by himself. Hey, what's up? How's it going? And he's heading to Leno now. Right. How cool. I, I got to tell you, that's really cool for us, <laughs> for this show, right? We get the first. So, Matt Damon, uh, it's, it's the premiere. Right, tonight. right. And yep. So, Matt, what 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 what, uh, what shows do you do? Oh, I did the the Rich Eisen podcast and the Tonight Show <laughs> in the oh, same breath. That's right, Brian Billick. In the same in breath. In the same breath. Good to see you. Uh, our next guest is the uh, Super Bowl winning head coach in the Baltimore Ravens with us here at NFL Network and Fox as well. Good to see you, Brian Billick. Glad to be here. Um, that's cool. You just Matt Damon. Oh my right? God! I, he just kind of blew through the studio. We were right. we were staging up to do a hit with Jason Garrett. Yeah, and and you're right to just see Matt Damon walk in. And not 50 other people. He's by himself, He's right? by himself. Now, here comes the question. Okay, what's the question? Opposed to you earlier. Okay. And you and, you and I are a little old school. Okay. But who would kick whose butt? James Bond, mm-hmm. Jack Bauer. Jack Bauer. Or, obviously, Jason Bourne. How do you rate those? Hmm. We, should have, we should have had this conversation with him. That, that's a good well, well, how about this for a poll question? 
I like Ooh, it. There you go. For a post there you go. I love, I love Jack Bauer. I'm not a huge Bond guy. I'm a, I'm a new Bond You're guy. You're too young. You're too young. I'm a Daniel, I'm a Daniel Bond? Craig Bond though, guy. How about you know this mean? one? But Jason Bourne. Jason come Bourne. on, I mean, Robert, right? Those book series by Ludlum. You, don't you do it by elimination. You, you can't do it as a whole. You match up. Jason Bourne and Jack Bauer. Jason Bourne would take Jack Bauer's cell phone and, and Bauer's cell <laughs> Right, he'd have no. <laughs> by the way, he would be able phone. to triangulate and no Chloe O'Brien. By, yeah. no by the way, the cell phone that always had reception. Always, right? Always. He'd be he'd be like ten ten stories <laughs> underground, and Jack could get a signal on his cell phone. And, it was and, the most and always thing. had the Santa Monica Armory in his trunk, <laughs> <laughs> right? With satellite connections and bazookas and tanks and anti-aircraft. And yes. I want that exactly. car. I want to see that. Always the car that he had. And now, they, they now, could always zoom on the picture and, yeah. like, pixelate so it wouldn't, wouldn't be, like, all fuzzy so you couldn't tell who it was. But you how about this, though? Bond and Bauer, though. That, Hold that, on a minute that, Or Bond, Bond and, 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 Bourne. and Bourne. That's that's a tougher call. Hold on a minute But now. which Bond? Hold yeah, on a minute. Hold on a minute. Bond, let's, let's, let's give this man his due. Original license to kill. Long before anything else, okay? <laughs> That's number one. Number two, Jack had the soft spot for his first wife, All right. okay? His daughter, which was and Tony. by far and away and the most annoying storyline of any of the <laughs> right. sort of like the daughter in Homeland, right? That sort of nail across the chalkboard type storyline. Or okay. Landry killing and someone I'm set, in Friday Night Lights. I, I, and, and, and it kills me because Alicia Cuthbert is all types of and fuego okay <laughs> yes so that said bond in the in the entire history of the bond series cold what who who would you who would you like I'm, hold I'm, hostage I'm, to get him to like he yeah. didn't care about any, i mean he would go from lady to lady obviously he would have a soft spot a little bit remember i guess in the casino royale right reboot with eva green when and she was dying right in the he, he in still the felt right. i mean a little bit but I but tell still, you, Bond, I'm, I'm older than both cold-blooded. But, the, but, of course, Sean Connery, the, the, the classic. I, I went off the Bonds. When Roger Moore came in, this is, this is God's honest truth, because I was the biggest Bond fan in the world. The first Roger Moore film, he's in a car as James Bond. He gets out, and he pulls his pants up. James Bond does not pull his pants up. There's no hiking. Him. No, you're set. Like when an Eric Mangino so said, hike. Okay, he's not. He's not James Bond. No, no. James Bond <laughs> right, doesn't have to adjust right, anything. Because Bond's pants fit perfectly. When he gets out of a car, you don't adjust the thing. So they lost me with Roger Moore. So, but uh, I like Daniel Craig. He's, he's great. He's, he's a, been good. He's a bad dude now. You're right. Jason Bourne may have a little bit of soft edge. For what about what? Timothy Dalton? Pierce Brosnan? Yeah. Yeah. A little. Little. Pierce Brosnan was okay. He's good. Timothy Dalton. Obviously, George Lazenby. He was one and done. Yeah, but Pierce Brosnan isn't kicking anybody's butt. And, and Denise Richards. And Just Howie the fact Barry. that we're talking about Jason Bourne versus James Bond, who right. technically is 83 years old. True. <laughs> that that says something about how good Bond is. Well, because Bond mean, really is about 83 now. And Matt Damon in those Bourne movies. Unbelievable. Fantastic. Yes. And right. the, the first one where he's on the bench and he just beats up those two cops. And, and, and doesn't know that he, he can do it. And he doesn't know that he can do it. That's the best scene, I think, I love the, the scene where movies. he goes, get some rest, Pam. You look tired. Yeah. And she, she he's jerks wa- around. He's, he's watching her. Yeah. And she turn, walk, she like, turns right away. Yeah, you look tired. Yeah. It, oh, it's so good. Matt Damon. That was so much fun. Epic. Rounders, though. That's one of my favorites. He did come up with a good idea for us. Is he thinks we should put Gron? Because I mentioned to him that we got so close to putting Gronkowski on, so the, close. on the on the Academy Awards red carpet last year, Ugh. and um, and he bailed out 
literally 20, 48 hours before. I was going to call him the next day, and he canceled that day. Because he, that, that's when he realized he had needed surgery on his arm at, for at, the first time. As a coach, that's not going to go well. That's not going to go well. There's something I that I'm going to have to right deal there. with. I know. Well, I, you know how it happened. And I have, I'm very proud to say that that's when I picked up the phone and called Ed Reed. And he bailed us out. Ah, very good. Ed Sometimes Reed. Hail Mary. We had tried Ed earlier, but he we was had in tried Super Bowl Ed run. earlier. But well, the reason here's the thing is our, we wanted Ed, but Ed was a little busy. Gronkowski went out. Um, he went out in the uh, the early, much earlier than the Super Bowl. So power driving his. Buddy. So we, we called him up, and he was. We needed to twist his arm a little bit at the Super Bowl. Then he was in. Long story short is uh, Damon Matt Damon said we should have Gronkowski live. From the red carpet, similar to how egos live. So, from like the red at the f- at like the three o'clock hour, just that pre-show where we're interviewing people live. It's also right, and it would be your job to make him tap dance and <laughs> fill the time live. I could do that because I couldn't. I can't be there, right? Because I'm. It's always. It's unbelievable how Oscar Sunday always falls on Combine Sunday. We're working and out. What's more important? We're working out the quarterbacks. <laughs> what's more important? The Oscars. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Come on. You know the quarterbacks don't spin it. <laughs> anyway, the quarterbacks who, who are going to go top of the draft, they don't go there and spin it anyway. I want to hear right? Rich's well, we'll conversation cover. with Steve Bornstein. Hey, Steve, I know we're in the middle of combine uh, coverage, but can we right. cut live? No, no. The yeah. Is, uh... yeah. By the way, uh, I guess uh, his first Bond movie, the one where he hiked his pants up, from what it looks like to me, um, was Live and Let Die. Yeah, and I like Roger Moore, but I, he lost me. Live and Let Die, a, 1973 was his I first Bond I was such Bond a Bond role. fanatic when he got on. We got James Bond doesn't do that. I know. I know. And uh, so I, when I told Matt Damon that uh, he said he would have run up to Gronkowski, and yep. he said that Ben Affleck would have won the Academy Award for Best Director or, or for Best Movie because you know, he wasn't nominated Best Director. Wasn't nominated. Oddly enough, he would have spent a half an hour with Gronkowski. Right. So I told him Ed Reed was there too, and I'm like, well, he wouldn't have gone up to Ed Reed. And he By goes, the way, he goes, well, we love. He would have gone up to Gronkowski, but we we respect Ed. Reed. We would have respected. Ed. That's what he said. I mean, like these Patriot fans, as you heard in the interview, I said you live in Elysium, you Patriot fans. Yes. Okay, right. you're 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 up there with the with the upper crust. You know, you used to sit on the the hard benches. We did and Foxborough <laughs> right. with, uh, with with Robert Kraft. Who with, used to be with your coach from Syracuse. <laughs> your coach from Syracuse screwing the pooch there, uh, right? Dick McPherson. Dick McPherson, <laughs> right? That used to be your existence. Right. Now you used to be the Matt Damon characters down on 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 the scorched earth. I know. Now you live in Elysium. These Up Patriot there with fans. Foster and yeah, I know. So we're, all right, let's 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 transition now. Where do you stand on the Patriots entering 2013? If, coach? if Tom Brady, keep in mind, he's lost, as we all know, statistically, 90 percent of his receiving yeah. receptions last year. Right. Uh, not, notwithstanding Gradkowski, but obviously Hernandez, obviously with Wes Welker, Brandon. I mean, it just goes on and on. If 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 Brady can come anywhere close to the level of production that he had last year right. in the passing game, we ought to just slam dunk in the Hall of Fame. Forget the five years. Just at the end of the season, just give him his yellow jacket and say, of course he's going to the Hall of Fame, but we're waiving the five-year period. Because, you know, I know I know he's spectacular and they're going to have to run the ball, although they ran the ball well last year. People forget how well they ran the ball last year. But but they're going to have to run the ball real well because it's just inconceivable with the group. Danny Amendola will be solid if he stays healthy. That's um, such a big if with Oh, him. huge, huge. So, 
And and is Grodkowski coming back? Um, yeah, it's it's gonna if he can pull it out with this group. And I'm not saying can they win because I think they can. I think they're in a division. They will win again. But can they make another run at the at the Super Bowl or the AFC Championship game? They're going to have to have a whole lot more balance. They're going to have to be better on defense than they were. My issue with New England is this. It's not the guys who Brady has lost from last year to this year. It's the guys who they have lost in the last several years where the Patriot way that Belichick has espoused, and by that I mean the guys who need to feel accountable, the guys who should look the challenge in the eye, and not only flip off the coach, but show him they can do better. Those yeah. guys, those guys aren't around anymore. They're all these bunch of mid twenties guys who hear might might hear Brady, but don't listen to him. And suddenly, mm-hmm. those are the guys who put them over the top into the winner's circle and onto the podium. And those guys aren't there anymore. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. Those that will you know tell the emperor you don't have any clothes to a degree, that can challenge that. Because otherwise, it's just, if they're just in lockstep and it's whatever, as brilliant as they are, whatever Bill and, and Tom says, yeah, you, that's that's an interesting point. I think that's a valid point. You know, and, and that's why I, I, I like these Ninkoviches of the world that they have. You know what I mean? Like, that's the that's the guy. Who's willing to do whatever it takes to be on the field. Right. But it's like the Ravens as well in terms of how far the Ravens falling off and are they going to have... Notwithstanding Denver, who else do you pick in the AFC? Nobody. I'm telling so, you right so now. So you get there by attrition just by the fact that the matchups. But it's like we all forgot what happened in the, uh, in the divisional the playoff game. Yes, I'm riding off the Texans in okay. terms as, 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 a, as the team that I'm picking to come out of the AFC, not riding them off as the AFC South champions, not riding them off in terms of – uh, having a chance to go to the Super Bowl and winning it. Clearly, I will not sit here and say nobody has a chance anymore because if you had told me last year the Ravens were going to win it, I'd have told you you were crazy. And sure enough, they deserved it in my mind, obviously, and they, they got it. But if the Ravens, if the Texans can't get solid quarterback play when the chips are down and they go into last year in New England with their Letterman jackets and got smoked, that I, I just don't see that sort of foot in the ground and and force to go and take that next step i just don't but ultimately see it when we talk about any team it's it's unfortunate but what we're when you say and we'll get to these over the next couple weeks and they're going to want my power ranking and all that kind of stuff but at the end of the day aren't you just ranking the quarterbacks i think you are at the end of the day (laughs) sure because we can't separate the team how what kind of team is new england really going to be because it's brady and okay they're going to be good uh, go back to your question with Houston. Houston's a good football team, but what's the question mark? You know, are they going to get it done at quarterback? Are they? You know, is Matt Schaub really that guy? And there, the, any hesitation that people have about Houston, it's because you have the hesitation about Matt Schaub. So, yeah, great to rate the AFC quarterbacks and where you add. And so, yeah, when I rate those AFC quarterbacks, Tom Brady's going to be right but there. Quarterback, right. quarterback and defense too, right, Coach? Yeah, to a degree, but in today's game, I don't know. There again, it, when you get to, you, you get disassociated from it um, because at the end of the day, it's going to come down to, particularly when you get into the playoffs, everybody's going to have certain strengths, so it's who's quarterback. I don't know that 
wasn't it truly Colin Kaepernick that kind of made the difference to get San Francisco in? Joe Flacco stepping up and really playing as good as the defense came in, and Ray got healthy, obviously, in the playoffs and all that they did. But And that's, that's terrible. I don't like saying that because it sounds like, well, all we got to do is follow the quarterbacks and forget everything else. And that's not right, but it just feels like that's what we end up doing all the time. Well, because Gary Kubiak said earlier this week that DeAndre Hopkins, the wide receiver that they chose in the draft this year, reminds him of Rod Smith. Wow. Now, if Ooh, they could, boy, if they can, yeah. if they can, if they can, yeah. if if that's true, oh, huge. and put him across from Andre Johnson, and then get the usual from Arian Foster, and JJ Watt is the monster because they, they haven't they got had that back, right? You know, Walters was okay. Uh, it's a balance to, to sure. Johnson, but if now you're talking a rookie, so we got to be careful here. But the fact that this guy has that kind of even if it's just uh, an intermediate to deep threat that you have to consider to balance Andre Johnson. And Andre Johnson's getting up in years there. Um, but, no, Houston's going to be a good football team. But I don't know. Would you put your paycheck, a monthly paycheck, which is substantially I'll more say than no. mine? I'll just say no right now. <laughs> I don't even need well. to hear the rest yeah. of this sentence. On any team in the AFC outside of Denver. Well, a, a well-respected on the rise offensive coordinator by the name of Larry David <laughs> liked the Kansas City Chiefs when you talk to him on he a did. Tuesday podcast. Yeah. But then but then he he said I want to change. <laughs> and, he wanted and then he went with the Texans. That's because you pressured him. You were like, you really think the Chiefs? Well, and then he was like, and he, no. well I didn't I don't know if I, I I don't know if I pressured him, but he definitely felt the uh the, <laughs> like, what the, did I the just need say? to swap out the Chiefs because to go from where they were last year with Andy right. reading a new program Alex Smith to the next level. But I agree with what you're saying, that right now I have – we do this every year on this show where we put our ear to the ground and just hear what everyone else is saying. Denver is by far and away the favorite to come out of the AFC in people's minds, prognosticators, analysts. And, and you, you, you really can't blame them based on the way they finished the regular season last year. And then you add Wes Welker to that mix. And Peyton Manning – you just have to assume is going to be stronger physically with a year back, even though he is a year older. And then you take a look at you know New England, as you mentioned. Right. N- yeah, was not that was not hyperbole. That was not an exaggeration. Ninety percent. Yeah, literally. Of statistically, exactly. Yes, who you threw it to is gone. You know, and, and I get it all the time in Baltimore with with the Ravens because of all the moves. Everybody's all panicked about it. And yeah, you're losing two Hall of Famers and Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, and you lost Donnell LRB. And uh, Kruger on the outside. Pitta now. And, yeah, and Anquan Bolden. How are you going to be any good? Now, they replaced some good people. But but you player for player, it's kind of hard to say the Ravens are going to be better. But then when you – and so, oh, we're going to be terrible and we're not going to be any good. Okay, who's better in the AFC? Then there's that, uh, well, okay, you have a point. Yeah, Is there anybody in the AFC north? Cincinnati, maybe. Pittsburgh, I think, is going to struggle this year. Cleveland is Cleveland. God, you know, God forbid. <laughs> Cleveland is Can Cleveland, they get by a the break, way. please? I mean. Right. Uh, so when you look at it in that con, that's where my faith in the Ravens being back in the thick of it is because I don't know outside of Denver that there's anybody in the AFC. Even if the Ravens aren't as good, doesn't matter. They're still going to be in the thick of it. Because nobody expects what we saw out of Joe Flacco in last year's playoffs, which was superb. He's been good in all the playoffs. Though. Correct. He has as many playoff wins he, as Peyton Manning. He has been awesome with the chips down. Nobody expects him to join ma- the elite quarterback group. Nobody expects him to go into the Rodgers, Brady, Peyton, Breeze class. And he has that stage set. And yeah. I know 
John Harbaugh has been saying all training camp that the history is there for their for the taking. Every Super Bowl champ, as you know, you've been in this spot from before. the minute you, you finish the first one. Can you get the second one? There's one. I the, mean, one minute later, literally, you get that question. Isn't that great? And and but the neat thing is that it's set. The stage is set. There's only one team that has a chance to make truly make history mm-hmm. in the following year. And he'll latch on to that. John's smart that way. I'll give you the pro and con for Joe Flacco and the Ravens this Please. year. Please. The pro is Joe look Joe's matured physically. He looks to me right now. I mean, there's a physical maturity to a quarterback that uh, as brilliantly as Joe's played, he now has that physical mature look to him. Mm-hmm. Brady-esque, uh, Drew Brees-esque, Aaron Rodgers-esque. Um, and and there's a confidence that comes with that, and that's scary. The flip side of that is, and this hasn't been Joe's fault, but obviously the leadership of that team was Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, and it wasn't Ed and Ray's fault. It wasn't like they didn't want Joe to be a leader, but you're, I mean, you're only going to come so far when you got those guys sitting in the room. And the and he's a young kid; he's got to grow into that right. role. Sure, but we all know that you, if you're a great team. That leadership has to come from the quarter. You name a Super Bowl championship team, you name a great team, usually the quarterback come to mind. Well, with with uh, Ed and Ray gone, that's clearly going to fall to Joe. And I think he'll do a good job. But in that crisis time, and they've had theirs when they lost, what, three out of four games or four out of five games, when that crisis time hits and it's, well, you're not Joe, you're not Ray Lewis. Leadership-wise, mm-hmm. when he starts to get that, well, okay, you're not the leader that Ray was. You're not going to – because there's still people that are hesitant on Joe because his personality is not quite that – he doesn't draw you in personality-wise. How does that – how do you deal with that during the course of the season? How does he – because now he's doing everything on the field, and he's always been one that says, hey, I don't worry about that stuff. I just do my job. Well, no, that's part of your job now, and that external stuff is going to be a factor how he deals with that. That would be my only concern. Yeah, because I can't sing, see a single person that would say, you know what, the Ravens have a chance this year because Joe Flacco is going to put them on their back and take them all the way. The same way that we're sitting here saying, you know what, Brady, 90% of his weapons are gone, but I think they're going to win that division. And as long as Brady's there, nobody says that about Flacco. You know, Nobody still says that about Eli Manning either, No, by the way. But, but he's got two of them. But in the AFC... It's it's the big two, Peyton and Brady. Right. And then who's the next AFC quarterback? Roth- the end of- Roethlisberger. Right. And that's but again, I think Pittsburgh's going to and Roethlisberger does it a little bit different way. So there again, he it's not as crowded a field, say, as the NFC because you're going to have Rodgers, you're going to have Breeze, you're not going to have a Cap Kaepernick in there, you're going to have Eli Manning. The NFC is so it takes it right back to our why why do we think the NFC is a better conference now than the AFC? Because they got more good quarterbacks. Maybe so. Yeah. They have a lot yeah. of them. Roethlisberger, let's hit on him for a second. Because uh, doing inside training camp over the last week, uh, Solomon Wilcox was in uh, Latrobe for, for us one day and did a one-on-one with Ben and talked about the offense year two under Todd Haley and how they want the ball out of his hand a little bit sooner. They're still talking about that. And how Roethlisberger, we all know, is most dangerous when he extends the play, and he's one of those rare quarterbacks where the play begins once he's hit, Mm -hmm. where most quarterbacks, the play is over as soon as he's hit. And he said something along the lines of, yeah, I understand what this offense is going to be, but quote said, the Roonies know who I am. 
okay, <laughs> and just to say, basically say that, all right, that, listen, I know what you want out of me in this offense, but I am who I am. The boss, the ultimate bosses know. I mean, when I heard that, I'm like, okay, we're going to have to see this again. Is this truly a fit? And how many years do we go into a season wondering who's going to run the football for the Steelers? Yeah. I can't remember in the 10 years we've done this that that's happened a single time. And how time. long have we been saying that defense is getting old? Right. The combination. Correct. Of, yeah, the, the Todd Haley, uh, Mike uh, uh, Tom, Tomlin, yeah. it's kind of interesting because Mike is now in a situation because Haley's really his, his only real hire. So far, he's been in it this long time. He's got a Super Bowl rank. So, I mean, the guy's as good as it's out there. True. But he came in with Ben Roethlisberger in place. He came in with a defense and one of the greatest defensive coordinators of all time, Dick LeBeau, in place. He had the offensive coordinator in place. Um, And then that changed, and part of it on his prompting. And he brings in Todd Haley. So that's really his first legitimate stamp as a coach okay this is not that he hasn't the other guys he's hired i don't i don't want to i'm not trying to diminish what mike tomlin's done or what he is right now but so there's and and that relationship and i've sat in that room i had them against washington last year and they're going to say all the right things i know a little bit about that relationship that unique relationship between the quarterback and his play caller yep may you know the offensive whether it's the offensive coordinator whether it's the head coach that Sean Payton, Drew Brees relationship. Sure. That Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers relationship. You're already seeing it with a uh, Jim Harbaugh and Colin Kaepernick. There's a special relationship that that goes on between those two individuals. Is it there? Uh, that's all I need I to say. Just, that's it. You got I, it. You know. Poker face. Not. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't. And that, you know, not that that has to be that way. It's just the really great ones I've been around and yeah. seen. There seems to be that that subtle relationship, and you don't know who's going to run it, and you don't. Yeah. And I think, and and their their speed burner is in Miami. Although I, you know, clearly they they liked Antonio Brown. This is right around here that last year where, where Wallace finally showed up, mm-hmm. I believe one year ago this time after they gave Antonio Brown all that money which was their way of saying, okay, all the money's gone now, Mike. You either want to come back and play for us or you want to sit on your your behind all season Mm -hmm. long. So that's just fascinating to me. And you're right. You just go through the role. Can the the Colts do it again? I think everybody thinks that the the year two is not going to be as successful because of how incredibly uh, well year one went and the emotion that came with their coach battling for his life literally – is not going to thankfully be there for Chuck Pagano, and that that may. And I th- I still think Andrew Luck is still going to be the best of all those young quarterbacks. You still That's do, huh? I my, and I mean, I love Kaepernick. I, I throw Kaepernick in there. You should. In the second year. You should. But and I love Russell Wilson. You love RG three. But if I put my money on a guy that ten years from now has got the success level, or we're talking Hall of Fame, if I it, and that's not to say that the others won't. But if I had to bet, you could say you can only pick one. But why defensively, is that? why is that? Because of his style of play, that he's not a read option guy, he's not going to get a hit. Yeah, with because the others, you have to. To I just think he's the most complete quarterback, doing the things that it takes to be a champion quarterback. Other guys may put up bigger numbers. 
Uh, and that doesn't mean because I think those other guys are pretty special too. This is a very, very special group of quarterbacks. And not because the re- – I'm excited about Russell Wilson. I'm excited about Colin Kaepernick and RG3 because what I think they're going to be able to do from the pocket. The other is just window dressing. I, we just had this – debate we did the fox seminar with all the guys and you know where's the read option and all that I, I'm, I'm i haven't bought into it yet I, you I'm, still haven't huh it can be a factor but at the end of the day i mean you go back to i always go back to the four teams in the championship game as a coach i would always look okay who's the four teams in the championship game what does that tell me about the league and the four guys in the championship game matt ryan tom brady obviously joe uh, flacco joe flacco and Colin Kaepernick. Now, you can put Colin Kaepernick in that, but Colin Kaepernick got into that game. Yeah, he, you know, it, it wasn't the read option. It was it was, it was was Green Bay going two-man, turning the back to Colin Kaepernick and then scrambling around. It wasn't the read option put him there. But though I, I think Russell Wilson and RG3 and Colin Kaepernick have a chance to be legitimately Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks because I'm excited about how I think they're going to grow in the pocket. And that's what gets me excited about those guys. But Andrew Luck just seems, I don't know, to, he's that compl- – and I'm maybe being traditional in my own mind, but I think he can. he's going to stay healthier longer than any of those three. The thing I like about, just to bring it sort of full circle with Ninkovich, your, your patriot there, Brockman, is he said on Wednesday, he said the read option in their minds as a defense is a green light to hit the quarterback. And that is what they intend to do. And I think that that is what – it's giving us a little glimpse into how this read option is going to be attacked defensively. Not that clearly that wasn't the case last year, but I think everybody's got a chance to think about it. They go, okay, you're going to hand it off and then fake it. We are going to blow you up. And even if you don't fake it and you do hand it off, we're going to blow you up too. Don't even think about it. And we had a seminar with Dean Blandino of yep. the, 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 the top zebra in all the land now with the yeah. NFL uh, prior to the Hall of Fame. And they made a point that they're not going to protect them Correct. outside of that protected right. form. Also, the speed-up offense, the officials aren't going to let that happen, so that's going to affect Chip Kelly. The big scheme that's ca- coming about by coaches, and I've talked to a number of coordinators, okay, what are you going to do with this? They're going to do what's called a swipe technique. They're going to crash the end to take the, the, the running back to account for that. Because before it was happening, they were putting these ends on a, you know, in a no man's land. An island, yeah. And and there was too much of a gap with the with the linebacker to try to keep up. So they're gonna they, they run what's called an exchange technique or a swipe technique. They're gonna take the defensive end, crash him on the running back, swipe the linebacker on, around, and now he's gonna spy the quarterback. Or they're going to because what that quarterback wants to do is make a quick decision. He doesn't want to hold the ball and be indecisive because that's when you get blown up. Mm-hmm. So they'll slow play the defensive end to slow the decision, and you're right. That's all well and good because there are a lot of people that are saying, no, no, you're not going to get that cheap shot at them, and you're not going to get them blown up. But if you do, that's when a team will go, okay, let, maybe we can't let – because all it takes, you know, another RG3 moment. Now with scrambling down the field, could have mm-hmm. had another Michael Vick type of this guy's getting hit a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you ring Colin Kaepernick's bell one time. I had the playoff game with uh, Seattle and um, Atlanta. And Russell Wilson, I don't know whether it does by design or whatever, they ran a bunch of the read option. He never pulled it out and ran with it. He gave that thing off every single time. And there were a couple times, had he kept it, he would have been. Ex- he could have done some damage. Now, right. I don't know whether it was, no, that's not what we're going to do or what the plan is. 
Uh, I don't know that he wants to make a living by the read option. He'll do it, and that'll be fine. So I, I don't know. I'm, I just haven't come over yet to, to the dark side of the read option, and we're going to become uh, the NCAA uh, well, with the NFL shield. The league has made it clear in the rules that as long as the quarterback doesn't take a step back after faking it, he is not protected by the rules of being a quarterback in the NFL. If he's running to his right and fakes handing it off and continues running himself, clearly he's not protected. If he hands it off and continues to run to his right and you have no idea who has it, you can still blow up the quarterback. If the quarterback takes a step back and makes it seem like he is throwing, then he's protected. But if the quarterback keeps running laterally, they are not going to sit here and tell the defense, you can't hit him. They're going to say to the defense, well, you have no idea if he's kept the ball because in this read option, it's all about, you know, sleight of hand. So the, that quarterback, even though he has given up the ball, is available to be struck and struck hard. Obviously, legally struck. Right. But that is going to be what, something fascinating to play. I, I'm already hearing this right what now. What happens when you're, you're a team – Okay, let's say that is the wave of the league. And you have a Russell Wilson, you have an RG3, you have Colin Kaepernick. And now they start getting in to eight, nine, ten years. And they're not – so you get rid of them hmm. because they're not quite running that aspect of it. I'm not saying it's not – can't be a viable part of what you do and be a great adjunct on a third down or whenever you're going to use it. It's primarily a base down, third down, third and 13. You're really going to honor the fake – you know, uh, the best thing I like about the read option is the fact that the fake comes with the quarterback's vision still down the field to make a read. And I had Warren Moon. I had a hell of a time getting Warren Moon to even take a gun snap, let alone turn his back to the defense to play fake and I, you know, the ISO normal fake that we're used to seeing. He hated to take his eyes off the secondary. He didn't want to be surprised. Um, so I like the I, that aspect of it. I like that I can do that read option, keep my fake keep my eyes down the field, see what that safety's doing, see what the corner's doing, then come out and throw the ball. But as is this the wave, you know, again, is it a factor? Yes. Are we going to become the NCAA and now a bunch of athletic, less than proficient quarterbacks could come into this league and play? No. Because another thing is going, well, yeah, let's, okay, let's go get an RG3 and, and do with it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's not all those cats running around now. Okay, you want to expend and get the second pick of the draft? Now, I know you got one in Russell Wilson. Okay, and that and Kaepernick, but you know the guys that can do it. To me, they are legitimate, incredibly talented, and huge potential pocket throwers that out can can do something else. Not the guy that can run around. Uh, maybe he can develop as a passer. Mm-hmm. That's it's gonna be interesting how, how you say that these young puppies yeah. are going to have to be old. taught a new trick when they get old. <laughs> that these guys right now are ruling the the read option roost. But you're thinking that we're not going to see that 30-year-old read option quarterback. Get Cunningham. <laughs> yeah, when, you. And, what, and, Cunningham. And, and we had to push. When I had Randall, we had to literally push him out of the pocket as a 34-year-old because, one, he wanted to show that he could do it from the pocket, and he did it brilliantly. And people didn't believe it. The first three quarters of the season, people were still spying, calling down the rush, and Randall was just blowing him up. And, and then finally they, they, okay, he's not going to run the ball. So there were times to do it. And we finally had to tell Randall, you know, it's okay if you pull it down and run the ball occasionally. And the second part of the season he did okay. Uh, but you're right. I mean, what to me one of the part of the magic of the key to, to the Brady's, to the Breeze's, to the Eli Manning's, 
or excuse me, the Peyton Mannings. I could say Eli, and Eli too. Come there. on now. And I will put Eli you in should, that sure. from the standpoint of what do they do? They stay healthy. Why? Because they know when to get rid of the ball. They don't expose themselves. Correct. Over a 16-game season, that's a huge – Aaron Rodgers, that's a huge part of it. Um, as the preseason begins now, how much should we read into when we look at all these quarterback uh, question marks that are out there right now? Sanchez is going to start for the Jets and all these decisions that are made and see how Geno Smith looks for the Jets and obviously what's going to go on in Buffalo, Philadelphia – uh, I think I'm missing another spot with a quarterback. As Jacksonville's one of them. First off, I'd, it, I'd take nothing from who started what game. Okay, so what, a as a fan goes through this, what 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 is a coach going to see from film this weekend? Obviously, we're going to ha- need to see it played first. How much should we read into what happens the first game, preseason not, or all the preseason for that matter? Because really, think of the number of snaps. That's the hardest thing. If you're truly, if it's a quarterback competition between Geno Smith and Sanchez, which it is. The key becomes how many reps is each getting. You, your preparation time and your evaluation time gets cut in half. And what does Sanchez go in and goes two, three series? Does he do a quarter? Then Geno Smith does a quarter? A quarter of football in one game. Now, do you come in the second game and each gets a half and even less than that? At the end of the day, you're going to get maybe three quarters to a full game of evaluation. That's a lot to – so what is it is? It's the, it's the evaluation during the week. It's, it's part week. of it. But to just say that Geno Smith outperformed Mark Sanchez in the games that they played or vice versa, the hardest part of those questions when you ask yourself, whether it's what's going on in Buffalo uh, and, and uh, E.J. Manuel, is he going to be the guy? You can go with the young guy, and I'm one that did. And uh, um, uh, with Kyle Bowler, and and you that saw was tough for you to get out yeah, of your mouth. Yeah, it just, just sticks in the craw. Uh, and then you saw it with Matt that came Ryan from deep down in the psyche that was buried. We could have we could have like Doctor Melfi come in here and uh, just put now, you on the couch. I'm just now I'm sleeping through the night. So uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't. But uh, Kyle Bowler. But the hard part, and, and and we didn't have that other guy. But the hard part is okay. Let's say you go with Geno Smith. Yeah, great. And then he struggles. Now you go back to Mark Sanchez. Uh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. hard for the team. So, so part of it has to be. So you're saying that part of this is to be certainly with Chip Kelly, for instance. Who is it going to be easier to go to if the if your first choice fails? Is that part of this process? That too? has to be. That one's a little bit different one, I think, because yeah, I, I have a tough time imagining he's not going to go with Michael Vick. Me too. But now maybe he does. But if if because especially because it, you if. Vic doesn't start going to Foles is an easy is an is no. a much easier way to go as other than if you, if Foles fails then you go to Vic I mean it just seems to but me but I will tell you when you start that when you get to the end of the season whatever your fate is whether it's EJ Emanuel in Buffalo or whether it's Geno Smith in in New York they'll be light years ahead for the 2014 with the more snaps that that quarterback has hmm. taken now now obviously. Doug Marone is fine in Buffalo. He can take the hits of starting a rookie, and he struggles, and he has as many interceptions as touchdowns, and they go, you know, 6-10 and 10 or whatever it is. But we got our guy, and we're building. If they go with Geno Smith, and he has the typical rookie year, but it's New York, and it's Rex, and you've already failed on one quarterback. And you've only got 16 games left on your contract. Do you – does 5-11 and 11 cut it? No way. Do you show just enough? Yeah, but I got a rookie quarterback. You know, that's well. We'll see if the owner, uh, if know. the owner gives that's him a, that gives him that sort of uh, that's a tough one. 
discount. Yeah. You know, I, we'll, we'll see if, if that happens. I know you want to hit uh, Johnny Football. You mentioned the NCAA, and I, I think this is worth discussing. Well, well, well two points. One, do you think, Johnny, you talk about the running quarterbacks and the read option. Do you think he could play in the NFL? Or do you think he's a guy who could be a starter someday, like Russell Wilson and Robert, and make yeah, an impact? That, and that's the analogy that's going to come out. We're going to hear when Jake Plummer came out. Jake Plummer, when, when Bill Walsh says, he reminds me of Joe Montana, Jake Plummer just shot up the draft board because sure. of that analogy. I think there'll be that, okay, this winner, this guy. At the end of the day, and, and it's based on limited perspective right now, Johnny Manziel, I'm not sure his talents translate to the NFL in a first-round form. So if he isn't a first-round quarterback, people are going to say, well, look at all the knuckle thing, knucklehead things he did. It's the Manti Teo thing where, oh, he fell to the, to the mid-20s. Manti Teo wasn't going to go in the top 15 picks. Some people thought that, and then he never fell. He was never that far up. Some people, that kind of took on a body of a life of its own. I don't know that if anybody that looks at Johnny Manziel right now really thinks he's going to be that, that pro success. Now, could he be a good second or third round pick and, and take a shot? Like a Russell Wilson? Absolutely. But the Russell Wilson analogy is going to come up time and time again. Uh, aside from, does this kid have the maturity? And he's in a tough spot. I don't, know, I don't know whether he really is doing all these stupid things or has it created its own momentum here where this kid's just under uh, an impossible. That's a great question. No matter what he does, it's just dumb. That's a great question because you read the, the ESPN magazine profile yeah. on him. It was really fascinating and riveting right and, and revealing. Yeah, right, Thompson. It was, it was incredible. Um, but, you know, uh, blowing off your responsibility for the Mannings. Which is a huge – uh, I don't care how many balls you sign and how stupid you are and if you got money, uh, blowing off – the, Our, the Manning family. Yeah, it makes no the sense. Man, that, that's the dumbest thing on or, the face or, of the earth. or just not blowing him off, just not living up to your responsibility mm, from what he clearly didn't do. You know, for kids who are saying the Heisman Trophy yeah. is going to be your counselor, and then, but that's been covered. And then, but showing up the next night on campus, you know, out and about, right. and then who knows what he's done, you know, with taking money for his autograph. Although I have to tell you, I know it's against the rules. I totally understand it's against the rules, and these are the rules, and you need to play by them. But if my, my philosophy is on this. You go to a school, and the school makes money off your program and makes money off of what you do. Uh, understood. Great. You get, a, you get a scholarship for that. You get, a, you get an education worth tens of thousands of dollars that so many people would kill to get. That is fine. I understand that. That is, to me, a, a rightful um, transaction, for the lack of a better phrase. But when the booster club, is trying to raise money for the new stadium and charges a $20,000 per head at a table that Johnny Manziel is sitting at with, I guess, A&M's other Heisman Trophy Award winner from previous years. Now, now, Mm -hmm. you are now going above that original transaction where you're saying to Johnny, hey, Johnny, come, come to this booster club and we now will be able to charge more money at our table why shouldn't Johnny Manziel go and sign as many footballs right. as he wants for, right. to make money off of his own name? From an intellectual That's standpoint, where there's I'd no get question. An issue but right you there. open up that Pandora's box because I will say that you're right. The millions that the org- that the, that the schools make, but the millions that the schools make that the school make off your abilities, it's not just you're getting rewarded with a scholarship. There are how many kids? Because I guarantee you, the girls' softball team, the men's fencing team. 
They ain't making money. And the only reason those kids have scholarships and this whole plethora of kids, it's because of what the school is doing all but on your back. So there's a residual to that. I understand with you totally with that. But, one, you're right. It is the rules. So it yes. is what it is. Right. Okay? Yeah. So you got to live by the rules. But, secondly, there's a residual to um, you've gained by having the shield, to use the NFL term, whether it's the Michigan shield or the Ohio State shield or whatever. Uh, that's been a platform for you. Um, look, look on. I always want to. When they want to bring this up, and boy, you're, 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 this is child labor laws. You ought to be paying it. What about that GA that works in the chemistry department? Some no chemistry m- professors making millions off of some patented whatever. Does that kid get anything more? No, I don't. I mean, that, so no. so it goes beyond just the athletics. So um, there's some side. Uh, you know, I agree with you. And and but if indeed he took it, this kid. I don't care how young he is. I don't for care. For rims for his car. Yeah. And his family has money, too, which no. is the weird thing. No. It's we, not like he's one of those. Do you think this is a tipping point in NCAA amateurism? Or that, There's that, no that, question. That it's that's going to get blown up at Chris, some point? Chris, the Ed O'Bannon case. Yeah, that's and I, 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 We could do a whole show yeah. on that. But the Ed O'Bannon case that's going on right now has every athletic director and every school president scared down to their, sock, to their socks. I really believe that. And because this could totally change the face you're already hearing like Jim Delaney of the Big Ten say that it would turn the Big Ten into Division three schools where they would just would not give out any scholarships. Uh, and they're basically saying it would it would rock everything that we know and love about the NCAA down to its foundation. Too, yeah, possibly there is. But there is no doubt this is a crossroads over the next year to two years of what's playing out. Again, just to me, if 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 it's something that they're they're getting more than just the 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 money out of this football program and and what Johnny Manziel can do I, I within with the you. within the the scope of the football program. To me, he should then if you're making more if you're raising money off of his name, then he should make as much money off of his own just, name as he possibly just like wishes. child actors though. Put it in a trust for after they graduate. Don't, don't give know. it to him now. And if plus you the go to play, is, I would say this: if you go to paying players, which again we can all make that intellectual argument, I think. The law of unintended consequences. I'm going to throw a number out there that totally has no no uh, legitimacy whatsoever, but I'll throw it out there anyway. That if indeed we got to that point where legally someone sued or whatever and said, yeah, I, I have a legal right to do this, you're inhibiting my trade, and the courts came down and Congress, which you know, be another knucklehead thing Congress <laughs> could do, yeah, let's get involved in this conversation. Uh, and, okay, now schools have to pay their athletes. That will get done. But if there are... You know, X hundred thousand scholarships that are out there across the entire athletic spectrum for kids, it's going to be reduced by 20 to 30 percent. Mm. 20, whatever that number is, those kids are now not going to have that opportunity to go to a university because they got that fencing scholarship or they got there's there is a residual effect to this that in doing the right thing is going to cause irreparable damage to a lot of people. Are you doing any preseason games for fun? I'm doing the uh, uh, New Orleans at uh, Houston. Speaking of your Houston Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see. How, and it's game three. So you're Houston Texas. So week three. Of, yes, uh, so of it's going to be the it. most that's legitimate the of games. That's that's the one. At least that one I don't yeah. have to now with my call card of 
names I can't. I, I screw up starters that have been in the league for 10 years, let alone a bunch of guys I have. Do you even know what your week one assignment is right now? Uh, yes, I got to, I, I'm very uh, Chicago and Minnesota centric in my first few. I got Minnesota at Detroit. That's a big, that's and, a sneaky yes, NFC it is. North How big, game. And then Minnesota plays Chicago. Next I got that week. game. So you see Minnesota the first two weeks. Yeah, first two All weeks. Right. Huge for by that. What happens to Minnesota if they can win those two games on the road? That would be huge. Wow. That would be a monumental beginning and and a sign of uh, a, a battle joined yep. in the NFC North that nobody sees yep. coming right now. Because I think I, I think Chicago's going to be pretty good, and and you know, of course, you think Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay is going to be. Pretty well, good. as well as as uh, as Greg Jennings said Wednesday um, that they they brainwash you in um, in Green Bay to make you think that you're the best, that the rest of the division doesn't have nearly you know, the firepower to beat you. That's what he said. So coming to Minnesota, it's sort of blown his mind at how great everybody is and how, how nice everybody is there because you're brainwashed yeah. in, in Green Bay. He, his smack talk over the last few weeks yeah, is it delicious. Been. It has just put a it's – put, it's put the Vikings – And honestly, Frazier's gone to him and go, yeah. why? What, 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 what do you – what are you doing? What are you Chris, doing? Chris Carter was the best, and God love Chris. We just inducted him in the Hall of Fame as Fab. He was the absolute best in my years in Minnesota of stirring up, you know what, <laughs> in the middle of a pile <laughs> and getting the fist flying, and then he bails out of there. And then he's the first one out. <laughs> he is gone. I had too many he friends is like that in college. absolute <laughs> best. So uh, that's where you're going. Uh, you know, your, your teammates are going, yeah, I love it. Why don't you cool a little bit? <laughs> Just cool. leave us don't holding the bag. Don't be calling out my guy, okay? I don't need that kind of pressure. Do you I, like Chris's speech? I thought it was very heartfelt. Yeah. It, it really was. I thought at the end, Mr. Michigan. Yes. Oh, the whole oh, That's uh, okay. That's no, no, no. He was, born that, was, that, that was a very, you can put this good stamp on it. I, yeah, I, I thought it was very, very good. Good for him. Him good and Sap both finished their speeches on, on good high notes, walk-offs. And also, yeah. uh, quickly, Sap had the shortest speech of them all. Uh, Who would have figured that one? Not me. Not me. Shortest speech of them all. As we can tell in the, in the Hall of Fame, those are supposed to be eight-minute speeches. But as we learn in Pirates of the Caribbean, Pirates of the Caribbean, those are guidelines, not rules. <laughs> Would you like to st- stick around? Let's let's wrap up the show. You got an international <laughs> shout out. I can't dance, Coach for Billick. A I appreciate you coming on. We got the international shout out. Uh, while you tap dance, here's a piece of information that has just cropped up uh, across the newswire. You know how our Week Three Thursday night game in Philadelphia. Andy Reid's return to the Eagles. They are retiring Donovan McNabb's number oh. for Week Three. It has just been announced that the Week Five game, the kickoff to week five, the Bills at Browns. The Browns are going to honor Jim Brown that night. So I'm wow. psyched to be there. And it's wow. just a sign of how things are changed in the post Holmgren era. They're giving Jim Brown a night. Uh, I can't, I don't know, I, his number's already got to have been retired. They're essentially just saying, yeah, no other Browns player has worn his 32 since his retirement in 65. So they're just going to give him a night. I heard my favorite Jim Brown story the other day. Someone saying, how would Jim Brown, mm-hmm. someone asked, how would Jim Brown do in today's NFL? How many yards would Jim Brown r- rush for? <laughs> and the guy said, 60, maybe 70 yards. He says, are you nuts? Jim Brown only runs for 60 or 70 yards in today's NFL. He goes, Jim Brown's 75 years old. Nice. That's pretty good. <laughs> hey, man. Jim Brown looks like he could still kick your so ass, by the way. So a lot of those guys, you know, in their older age, they, 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 they get a little smaller. Jim Brown was the one guy this weekend. I would know. I mean, he's still big. Hey. And all the other Hall of Famers, when he walks, the Red Sea parts for him. There's a respect well, for him. When he came out of the jacket dinner in, in Brown's country, yeah. it was a thunderous ovation. And another guy that blew me away, I think I don't know if we said this on the previous podcast, but Mel Blunt, 
Yeah. Oh, how God, big he yeah. is. He is humongous. He towered over Bruce Smith and, and made me realize why they changed the defensive rules for him because he's like an he's like a Navi, an avatar. That I could only Saps, imagine him. Saps party. You saw them. Right. right and next I just could imagine if you could see somebody that big running around secondaries in that era. Holy smokes. But I, I got to rip my look. I'm from L.A., so yeah. you get to rip your own, right? Sure. I was in when I can I do I do my game Sunday and I, I, I fly in here Sunday and then on Monday I do the shows here. And then I usually catch that 1045 red eye back to Dulles. OK, not a fun thing, but I'm there. Right. every. So I'm back in the airport, 10 o'clock LAX every Monday night. And I'm sitting there. I'm waiting for my flight to show up. This is during the season. And here comes Jim Brown mm-hmm. walking down the middle of the terminal. And nobody's noticing. And wow. I'm just going, are you people nuts? Yeah, what's wow. the matter with you? This is Jim. Are, 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 are you LAite so, you know, uh, anesthetized? Beaver, that is, this is Beaver Jim somewhere. Beaver people are going nuts. Jim, Jim Brown. friggin' Brown, it's and amazing. it's like nobody, yeah. nobody blinked. Well, uh, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, the Browns sent out a press release. That's that, good. They're in honor one of it says one of the most extraordinary athletes in sports history. The Cleveland Browns will honor him uh, on October third. We appreciate the Browns for this next line, by the way. That evening, when the team hosts the Buffalo Bills in a showcase Thursday night contest <laughs> on national television. <laughs> Thank you, know, you very much. We appreciate it. Hey, both teams could be 4-0, 5-0. You never know. Here's That's 50 it. bucks. Will you pump the word showcase in there first, please? <laughs> <laughs> give, it, give it for us so we can get uh, Brian um, Billick out of the ben way. Marshall, ben Marshall at ironclad underscore ego. Hey, man, Chargers fan in Shanghai. International hey. shout-out. Never miss a podcast. Wow. Thanks for coming. China. Thanks, Ben. And by the way, we passed 10 million downloads earlier this How week. About that? So we've started our next 10 million with you. And Matt we, Damon. We don't have quite as by many the on the Coach's Show podcast. We're trying to, <laughs> Keep going. We're trying to work up to that. Keep we're going back up. <laughs> um, so thank you, Chris Law. Rich, always a pleasure. And I want you. to thank uh, Jennifer Allen out there for helping us with, uh, with Matt Damon and uh, everyone at Sony as well. Yes. Go see Elysium in a theater near you on uh, right now. Yeah. It's yep. coming Friday, out. August 9th. Friday, August 9th. Yes. Well, let's go see it now. Anyway. Get your T- tickets now. Midnight go get your street. tickets now. Uh, also want to direct everyone's attention to PuntersOrPeople2.com. We've got uh, women's sizes now. And also right. various hey colors. Now. Various colors now. We've got new colors. We've got women's sizes. The punter movement, Brian Billick, is unstoppable. Unless it is, it is. Unless you're Larry David and you go for it all four I'm downs. I'm trying to see said all four downs. <laughs> and thanks to everybody who watched the Hall of Fame special. On uh, Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Great yeah. stuff. That was a one and done, right? we got to put some of that up on our. It'll on our, all be up online. Uh, out of all, all three segments will be up on the blog page. Out of, as of uh, And great now. job out of you, Thank Chris you Brockman. So for at Chris Law, at uh, Coach Billick, yes, correct? Sir. Yes, on sir. Twitter. Still there. Matt Damon's not on Twitter. But I want to thank him. want to thank you, at Chris Brockman. I'm at Rich Eisen um, for the at the Eisen Podcast. Peace out. And for all of us here at the Medill School of Journalism, thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. Stay listening, dear friends.